it is time to order your copy of The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination, written by Eric M. Twiggs. By reading Eric's book, you will receive a proven roadmap and blueprint to beat procrastination so you can make more money, get more done, and become aligned with your divine purpose. To order your copy, visit www.thedisciplineofnow.com. Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs. I'm your procrastination prevention partner, and I'm the president of the What Now Movement. Joining me as always is my partner in crime, my right-hand man. You know him as the super CEO, business strategist extraordinaire, and all-around good guy, Ted Pell. Good evening, all. All right, all right. And we have another special guest that's joining us today. We'll be introducing him here momentarily, but Ted, did, did you happen to check out the Motivational Monday message in the What Now Movement group? Oh, man, that was something today. That's right. Yeah. So, so Spring 90 was in the building. Absolutely. That's right. That's our, our AKA Spring 90, Cleja Gross. She did an awesome job, did a presentation, a motivational presentation that you don't want to miss. I would certainly advise you to go in and check out the What Now Movement group Facebook page. And every, every day, every day at 12 noon, we've got a special presentation. And if you happen to be an author, a speaker, a coach, and you're looking for that platform to get your message out there, help take things to the next level, again, join the group. And you can reach out to me and we can schedule you to do uh, 12 noon live session. But it was, it was truly inspirational and I think you'll definitely enjoy it. And, th and this is not your everyday podcast. No. No, no, no. There's a lot of everyday podcasts out there. This, this isn't it. No. We do a little, we think, we do things a little differently on the 30 minute hour. You, you, and check us out. You can go to the 30 minute hour.net and you can see our YouTube videos. You can listen to the previous audios from your favorite uh, mobile podcast platform. But you had to go check it out. And you can join us right here on the 30-Minute Hour Facebook page. And then, Ted, we've got our sponsor of the week. Who's the sponsor of the week? I know. It, it's, it, it's a popular question. Well, no, there's two popular questions. Number one... Who is the sponsor of the week? And the second most popular question is, how can I be a sponsor? Oh, yeah. People are asking that question all the time. Right. And it's a popular question. What, how can I be down? How, how, can I be the, <laughs> how can I be a sponsor on the 30-Minute Hour podcast? Yeah. No worries. You can email me, eric, E-R-I-C, at ericmtwigs.com if you're interested in being featured as a sponsor of the week. And by the way, we're going to also be featuring the sponsor of the week on our website on the 30minutehour.net, something to keep in mind. But our sponsor of the week is Ken Young. Uh, he's known as Trey. 
Yeah. And he's got his company, his photography company, Ken Young Photography. He does, he takes pictures, he does video. I mean, he does everything that, that's media related. He's extremely media savvy. You know, he's done some things for us in the past, Ted. He's got the, the fancy lights and he knows what color to use in what situation. Yeah. Definitely you need to use his services. I know, you know, now it's, it's more it's more and more becoming a virtual world, right, Ted? Absolutely. Right. I mean, this is the next normal, uh, everything being virtual. So you definitely need Ken Young services. Um, and you want to go, the best way to connect with him is on Instagram. It's Ken Young underscore photography. That's his Instagram handle. Ken Young underscore photography. He is our sponsor of the week. And again, just another shout out to the, the What Now movement. I see people starting to log on. I see other people uh, from different um, avenues that are, that are logging on to the podcast. Please make sure that you type a comment into the comment section, say hello, uh, get your questions ready. And we look forward to engaging and interacting with you. Ted? Yes, Eric. Oh, there you go. See that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Eric. So now, you would think, right? This has been, what, 69 episodes? 70-ish. Right, right. We would we, we have this whole timing thing down at this point. You man, I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. <laughs> what I'm concerned about, though, man, is I keep messing around with my lighting here, and I can't get my lighting together. And I've told you this before, man. It's like your lighting and stuff is perfect. My stuff, I'm over here looking like I'm working in the dark. Like, I need to talk to the, to the, to the management. Because <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a raw deal here, man. I'm trying to adjust my own stuff. You just sit down and, work, and all your stuff is just perfect. So yes, Eric, you got something on your mind. It sounds like you had something on your mind. I got something on my mind too. Oh man, <laughs> I tell you. All right, Ted. So yeah, I got something on my mind, and, and this is—it's in honor of our guest today. I want to mm. talk about now. How do you gain that competitive edge? Mm. Right. That, that, that's what's on my mind. How do you gain that competitive edge? And, and so the question is, you know, what, what separates the best of the best mm. from everybody else? Right. That, that's the question. And, and so I'm watching uh, this interview and they were interviewing this NASCAR driver, Jimmy Johnson. He said, you had no idea I was in the NASCAR. I did not know you were in the NASCAR, Eric. It's not just football. It's not just the Washington football team. I, I right. like all sports. You do a little NASCAR. Okay. A little NASCAR. Okay. Yeah. And, and so they were. I'm watching this interview, and they're, they're talking to Jimmy Johnson. He's a NASCAR driver, and it was after one of his races. And so Johnson's like the winningest driver on the circuit. I mean, he's won driver of the year like five times. But this particular race, he came in second place to his arch rival, Jeff Gordon. So the reporter asked him, said, you know, what was different about his car and yours? And so Johnson, he, he surprised me with his response. He said, a tenth of a second is what separates a zero from a hero. 
a half a tenth faster and you're going forward, a half a tenth slower, you're going backwards. I just couldn't get that half a tenth today. And, and I didn't, you know, okay, I didn't think about it that much, but then I saw the difference in prize money in uh -huh. that between the first place person and the second place person. Yeah. Just, just for a tenth, there's a difference. So the, the winner of the Daytona 500 gets $1.587 million. Okay. Right. So the second place person that's a tenth away gets $1.157 million. So basically, there's another $430,000 in it. Wow. That's by being a tenth of a second better. Wow. So, so the question for the person that's watching us is how much is that missing tenth costing you? Mm. And most things, it's a game of inches, right? I mean, for example, you know, you could be a tenth of a second away from getting that contract. I mean, that, that, that per the, the company that got the contract instead of you, they may only be a tenth better. Mm. You could be a tenth of a second away from getting that promotion, gaining the promotion. Mm. You could be a tenth of a second away from grabbing that scholarship. Mm. You know, the student that got picked ahead of you may only be just slightly better. Mm. So the question is, what can you do to gain that slight edge? Mm. That, that's the question. So this is the part of the show where people just need to pull over to the side of the road. And that's right. Get off of the treadmill. And that's right, that's right. Put the ham sandwich down for a second. Put the, put the snacks down right now. This is, <laughs> this is that moment that grilled cheese sandwich, those pretzels, put them down right now. This is it. This is going to get good. This is, this is where it gets good. Because, because this is what you need to focus on if you want to get that slight edge. Mm -hmm. You have to sharpen the axe. Sharpen the axe. Sharpen the axe. That's right. Mm. Here's where I'm going with that. So uh, this kid, Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of the great presidents, he's quoted as saying this, he said that if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Mm. Right? So, so sharpening the axe has everything to do with planning, preparation, and practice. Planning, preparation, and practice. That's what gives you that edge. And we, tell, we see in, in sports all the time, there's certain players the certain teams, they always just seem to get that, uh, that, that one bounce of the ball that makes all the difference, right? Mm -hmm. They finish slightly ahead, you know, but it's planning, preparation, and practice. That's what gives them the edge over everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm reading this book by, uh, by Brian Tracy, Million Dollar Habits. And, and here's what he said. He says that a 3% difference in performance in a key area that's sustained over time, it gives a person the necessary edge to dominate in their field. Mm. That's all it takes, a 3% edge. Wow. And I bring all this up because our guest, he helps parents to help their teenagers to sharpen that ax mm. when it comes to the college admission process. Because there's a lot of students, and a lot of them have the same GPA. A lot of them have similar extracurricular activities. But one gets picked and one doesn't. Mm. So he helps 
the parents help that teenager. And I know that we have a lot of parents right now. You know, there's a parent right now that's hosting this show that wants to hear what he has to say. <laughs> really? Yeah, he has some questions that the parents want to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The parents want to know. Yeah. So let, let's get to it. Let, let's, uh, let's, in, let's introduce him here. He helps parents to navigate the challenging college admission and scholarship process. Mm. Most importantly, by simplifying the planning application process and showing parents where to focus their time and energy. Mm. He also specializes in the development of personal success traits that win competitions for college admission and scholarships and also employment job promotion. Mm. Well, please join me in welcoming to the 30-minute hour, Dr. Rudy Jackson. Hey, welcome, doctor. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Ted. Thanks, Eric. Wonderful yeah. to be here. That's right. It's a great, awesome. great setup, Eric. Great setup. Yeah. So, so I mean, what do you in your work? I mean, let, let's kind of just jump right jump in. in. Yeah. So, so in in your work, I'm sure you see you see teenagers that all like we said that similar GPAs and similar extracurricular activities. What do you see when it comes to kind of that, that edge that separates one from the other? Well, I do see it. And it started about 16 years ago when I was teaching and I was on a scholarship committee at Davidson College, which is a very competitive college to just get into. And then to get a scholarship, so the top of the top who are admitted now are competing for scholarships. And so when you sit around the table with other faculty members and staff members and you start looking at everyone with a very, very high GPA and very high test scores and loads of APs and presidents of extracurricular clubs, you have to decide who's going to get the money. And that was basically our job. And so after doing that for a few years, I was able to figure out how we made decisions. And it really wasn't what we were teaching our kids in the high school. Because what we teach the kids is to be more qualified, mm. meaning that we want you to have the highest SAT score. We want you to have the highest GPA. We want you to have the most APs. And so the kids are competing on being more qualified, whereas when we sit around the table, if the three of us are on the scholarship committee, we've already established that everybody's qualified. Mm. And now it's a matter of who do we choose among the qualified. And our students are never taught how to stand out among people who are equally qualified. Wow. And so that's the revelation that I had. And that's really the birth of the, the business. Now, I was teaching. I began teaching in 94 at Randolph-Macon College. And as soon as I started teaching, all of my friends and neighbors and relatives started asking me about how do I get your cousin in the college. And so <laughs> you start doing that, whatever your profession is, you know, family and friends start asking you, you know, what's the secret? And yeah. so I had been doing that, but until I sat on that scholarship committee, I really didn't know what the decisions were based on. And it, and it really wasn't like we had a, a list that we could check people off. It was, it was almost a part of what we liked for who we wanted to be as an institution. 
And so I, I've divided them up. And if you'd like, I can kind of jump in and show you the three main areas sure. where students begin to stand out. Eric would definitely be very interested in that, wouldn't you, Eric? <laughs> Absolutely. <All> right. <laughs> so, so and, and now remember, like back in the 80s and 90s, no college admission staff member would tell you that there was this secret sauce. So that, there wasn't that. And it really still isn't that. But what we begin to look at is three things. Number one, a love for learning. And, and I'm going to ask you, Ted, I know you're, you're with us on this, but I want you to keep your business ear on this as well. Mm -hmm. So when I run through this, tell me as a, like a hiring manager or a CEO, if these are qualities you would even want for an employee. Okay. Okay. So first and foremost, in the educational environment, whether it's admissions or scholarship, we tend to like to see students who have a love for learning, which plays itself out typically in a high level of curiosity, a high ambition, and a high persistence. Now, I'll start from the last one. Persistence, everybody knows, you know, if you're going to a competitive college, you, you're going to be challenged. You're probably going to take the toughest classes and so on and so forth. But the colleges have an investment in you being successful. Because if you don't graduate, it makes the college look bad because their graduation rate goes down. Mm -hmm. And when other people start looking at the college and they're like, well, your graduation rate is only 59%. Why should my kid come here? Uh, and so the colleges are, have, have an investment in the kids being persistent. They want to see that you have that because they know you're going to be challenged at college in a different way than what you were in high school. So they love to see that you're persistent. They just want you to be curious because in the academic environment, if you just will come into class and sit there like a bump on a log, you're not adding anything, you take it. And so for the faculty, for the staff, we want curious students and we want ambitious students. And so those are the first three characteristics that we look for that stand out. And so if a student in their essay just talks about falling in love with German language as a fifth grader and all the things they did for the next seven years. Mm -hmm. Curiosity beyond what you would expect of a fifth grader. That's, that distinguishes them. Mm -hmm. So those are the first three things. The next three things are a little different. And Ted, for the business person, you're going to see this, especially for entrepreneur. The student who can actually respond to opportunities is like night and day from the average student. Mm -hmm. Most students walk through life and see opportunities, and there's actually a, a couple really good quotes, as challenges. But they don't recognize that they can actually change those challenges. And I'm going to give you a perfect example to illustrate this. When my daughters were in middle school, I was doing some volunteering, and I got introduced to a student who was the SGA president. Again, this is middle school. Mm -hmm. Young man was a seventh grader he recognized that in between classes, there was a long line at the boys' bathroom. Boys lined up to go to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, you got three stalls with a door and a toilet. Then you got five urinals that you stand up at. No divider. Okay? So the three of us know that in middle school, everybody's going to the toilets with the door on it. Because we want our privacy, right? Right, right. So what this, what this resulted in is these boys would stand in line until the bell rang, 
And if they didn't get in, they had to run the class. They'd either be late or they'd have to go to class without going to the bathroom. Mm. Now, this is a school that's 20 years old. Nobody had fixed this problem. But this one young man worked on, with his team and some other folks to help bring awareness to the problem, did a little video of it, actually went to the state representative to get funds for the school to put up dividers. In the seventh grade. Wow. In the seventh grade. Now, this young man at this point is going off to college. Now, when he wrote his essays, he was able to talk about the initiative that he took, the decisions that he made, wow, and the enthusiasm that he, that he had to actually continue over the course of a year and a half because it wasn't like he saw the problem. He's like, oh, okay, we're going to throw some money at it. He, mm -hmm. It actually took him a year to actually get it done, excuse me, get it identified, funded, and repaired. Mm -hmm. And so that second set of characteristics are what I call responding to opportunities. And again, mm -hmm. as I was going to say for you, Ted, as any business person, you've got to recognize the opportunity and solve the problem. Yeah. Right? So that's the second set. The third set is having an impact. And now you hear people talking lots and lots about having an impact, but most teenagers have no clue to what an impact is or how they can have an impact. So I'll give you another example. Many teenagers in high school tutor kids in middle school or elementary, right? They may even talk about it on their essays for admission or for scholarships. But what they would tend to do is say something like, I've been tutoring for two years at so-and-so middle school. The kids that I tutor are in sixth grade and I tutor them in reading. Mm. I love it. We do this. We had a celebration, yada, yada, yada. And that's mm. the extent of what they reveal. Another student will say, I tutored for two years in sixth grade and the students that I tutored in reading started with a C minus average. Mm. And at the end of the two years, they all had an average of a B plus. And on their standardized scores, they went up 15%. And they're able to articulate in a very short period, not only what they did, but the impact of what they've done. Wow. Right? So for me, the first step of impact is growth. Having some kind of positive impact on yourself or others. And lots of students have it, but they don't showcase it. And so as you were saying, that 3%, many times it's not even a difference in what you do or what you have. It's just what you present and how you package it. Mm. Wow. Lots of very qualified students don't get in just because they don't tell their story in a way in which another student does. Wow. Okay? So, so the you, other part of impact, so you got the first part is growth. Let's, I'm going to give you the last two, and then we'll, we'll chop it up. Oh, you want to jump in? Go ahead. Yeah, let me jump in real quick. You, you, sure. You're saying a lot here. Man, a lot. <laughs> a lot. I'm, right. trying, I'm trying to hire that seventh grade student that got the bathroom. All right. He got it done. Yeah. He got it done. Well, he may be trying to hire me because he, he was making it happen at a, yeah. in seventh grade. He really did, man. He really so, did. So let's unpack this here. So, like, for example, when you talk about that, that ability to respond to opportunities, Mm -hmm. What you see, is that something that's just kind of an innate thing that the, the child has, or is it something that 
the parent is actively working with the child. What, what do you see? What, how does that come about in your experience, from your experience? I see it in a couple ways. Many, many young people have the ability to identify opportunities, but many times they don't get any support from the people around them. Because typically the opportunity is a challenge and the people who are around them are not willing to support them or even see the vision of how they can have an impact on it. So they're like, ah, we don't have money for that in the budget or, you know, don't worry about that, focus on this or whatever. And so it's not just that students don't see opportunities. Many times they're not supported in how they see it and they're not supported to take action on what they see. The other part of that though, too, is that many times students may see it and they need the seed to be planted and nourished. And so a lot of times, let's say I'm with my daughters who are 14 and 12, I know they're looking at something, but they don't necessarily see the opportunity in it. And I plant the seed and then boom, the light bulb goes on. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's, you know, it's, uh, it's COVID and I was an eighth grader last year and I took such and such a class and yeah, it was tough. And I'm sure the kids who are coming up next year are going to have some struggles with it. And yeah, I could tutor or I could do something over the summer, but I'm not going into the summer thinking about that. But if I plant the seed, mm. they get it. And so that, that's one of the things where parents, teachers, relatives can plant those seeds and they can if nothing else, have the conversation about what challenges, the relationship between challenges and opportunities. Mm. And, and that, what I do is a lot of times I sit back and say, okay, let me see how you're gonna respond to this. Right. I didn't throw this out there to you. What do you, do you see yourself capable of having an impact? Do you have an interest in this? Okay, just throw it out there and see, see what sticks. Because here's the thing, Dr. Jackson, right? So I look at it. A lot of people sat in a taxi cab, right? And, and they were frustrated. And now oh, this is terrible. You know, I'm, I'm getting overcharged. It smells in this cab. Oh my goodness. But right. one person sat in the taxi cab and had the foresight to start Uber. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think if we can cultivate that at a young age, I mean, that, that's powerful because most adults don't think like that. No. They really don't. Our, our system is not set up <laughs> to think like that. It really isn't. Uh, and that's why we don't have a lot of entrepreneurs. Right. Because they don't even see the challenges as as business opportunities. You know, it's, it, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, when you talked about the three points, and it definitely correlates directly with, with what we look for in employees, right? Because everyone on paper, you know, can have certifications, degrees, and all of that. You know, but then when you have that interview, you know, you're trying to pull out of that to see, okay, do they have a, a love for this type of work? You know, how can they deal in certain situations, you know, and then, you know, having an, an impact? Because, you know, one of the questions I always ask an employee, uh, a prospective employee is, okay, this is your first day on the job and, you know, the manager is, you know, it's tied up. Like, what are you going to do? Right. Like, you know, you can just sit at your desk, you know, or you're going to start walking around, starting to meet people, trying to get an understanding, you know, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do? Right. I try right. to see what type of response they give me to those types of questions versus a question specific to, okay, tell me about 
this bit of technology and what you've done in that? Like anybody can answer that. Yep. Right. But what what are you going to do with kind of situational things, challenges? Are you going to be able to come up with some some opportunities, some solutions? Or, hey, did you follow up with that that contact? Yeah, I called him and he didn't respond. That was two weeks ago. You called him. Like, what did you do to you know kind of move this along and and you know and 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 uh, and address the the challenge and, and make it an opportunity or, or to create something? I mean, that's yeah, that's amazing. Ted, I, I just really, really appreciate you putting that out there because one of the challenges for me is, as you can tell, this is very different. Like, if I really want to make money, I would be selling tutoring services or test test services. That that's because people already value that. What we really need is to hear more from employers and corporations that these are the skills that their students need to build, not only so they can get into their favorite college or get a scholarship, but to understand that these are the things that are gonna help them get a job and get promoted and, and things like that. And, and that becomes my challenge because these parents can respect me, the kids may say, the kid, I can tell them that, hey, I used to work at Vanderbilt. And they say, well, Vanderbilt's my number one school. And I say, well, here are the things you need to do. And they still may look at me like, really? Nobody else has ever told me that. Mm. And so uh, they need to hear more to value this be mm. because that's the first step. If they don't value it, it won't get prioritized. And mm. I think back to Eric's original question about, you know, the example of the Uber driver, a part of this is how do we get this to stick with our kids mm. and, and our parents? Uh, because it, again, you can't ask the parents to do something they don't know how to do. Yeah. Um, and that's where I come in. Because as soon as a, a student tells me what they've done for the last two years, I can immediately analyze that and figure out where opportunities are for them to build these qualities. Wow. Uh, as long as they're committed to doing that. Because the, the question I always get in March and April is, what should we do over the summer for summer break? And, and I always tell folks, it doesn't matter what you do. The question is, what do you wanna build over mm. the summer because mm. you can do just about anything mm. as long as you choose what you want to build mm. so if you want to build being cre to to respond creatively to opportunities you can be a camp, camp counselor you can babysit you can dog you can do all kinds of stuff mm. but you just have to ask the right question so eric i, I understand what you're saying I'm, I'm a parent too and and it's nothing easy every kid is different uh they're at different places and trying to invest this piece in them because for me, the long-term, you know, I want the grades to be right and I, you know, I want all that other stuff and I want you to work hard, but I know what's going to ultimately help you to be successful yeah. is not some credential. It's your ability to leverage the credential. Um, and again, trying to get a 14 year old to understand that is, is a little much, <laughs> but, but we, we can start the process because yeah. this process is easy. There's nothing hard about the process. If we, the problem is we can't expect them at 22 to have mastered the process if we haven't started before 21. You know, it's, a, it's amazing everything that you're saying. And I'm looking at that, that poster, whatever behind you that says how to stand out, right? And that's just making me think everything that you're saying, it's all about how do you stand out as a student, how you stand out as an employee. Yeah, man. I mean, and even, even in my field, how do I stand out as a, 
as an entrepreneur, right? There's thousands of entrepreneurs. How do I stand out? What's going to be that thing that is going to make that client select us over someone else? So the good thing about doing these podcasts, man, is you get some free consultant services, man. So I'm, I, I really appreciate this, man. Send the invoice to Eric. <laughs> now I'll tell you that I've got pages of notes because I, I think it's, it's a shame that this information isn't really put out there. And it just seems like there's a, uh, a domestication process almost, you know, when you're coming through, where, where you're, you're trained to, okay, go get good grades, get, get a high grade point average, and, but, but th there's more to it. Yeah. 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 It sounds like you help the parents with the, the more to it part of this. Wow. Sounds like a lot of it is tied to just the application of it, too. Yeah. Right. You get all these good grades and you, you get in all these associations and everything, but you know, how do you really apply all of that, right? That's what I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Well, well, you know, a lot of the parents, and, and whether the parents went to school, didn't go to school, and when I say school, college, uh, whether the parents, you know, went back in the 80s when I was in school and, and feel like it's changed, every parent still has that core feeling like, I got to make sure I'm doing everything for my kid. And so they're always checking in, like, am I missing anything? You know, am I on the right track? You know, what's new and kind of what's changed? And since the COVID-19 has hit, so many things have changed around testing. We know that the high school environment is gonna be different. And so they, they, there's so much uncertainty that now to even do what you just said, to, to go through the process and, and to get it done, I mean, we would think that kids with a, a three, five average and above would all have this stuff lined up and ready to go. You know, I got this, this concept called day one ready, meaning that the first day of senior year, most of your applications are done. But the kids tend to wait until week before, couple days before the day of the admission deadline or the scholarship deadline. And these are smart kids. These are high-performing kids. These are kids uh, who are doing everything right. But the priority of getting this done early has not been put into their structure of their day-to-day -day work. They just work from the deadline. Deadline's October 15th. I got till October 15th to get it done. And what becomes the problem is the closer you get to the deadline, what happens? The more your stress goes up. The more mom and dad say, hey, have you got it done? Have you got it done? Have you got it done? Now, they got their lip poked out. You looking at them crazy. Ain't nobody happy. Oh, I'm going to go write this essay. Now I'm starting to make some mistakes. Well, it's getting close to the deadline. I want to do this essay, but it's going to take too long. So I'm going to do this easy essay. Mm. Well, this easy essay, you're not going to be able to showcase who you are. Mm. And this essay, you can showcase. You can pull all that good stuff out. Over here, it's just about getting it done. And so for me, what I do for my clients is we set a date to get all the easier stuff done early so that when you get back to school, you just got to get your transcripts, your recommendations, submit your application. Hmm. That's it. And you can join your senior year. But again, that's not the norm for 99% of graduating seniors. You got to be day one ready. So well, we're here on the 30-minute hour podcast. We're talking to Dr. 
Rudy Jackson, and, and he has just dropped some stuff on us Man. that can really change the game when it comes to college admission and, and getting your teenager day one ready. So let, let's step back a little bit. I, I want to find out a little bit more about your backstory. Sure. So you were an undergraduate at Randolph-Macon College. Yep, in Virginia. Virginia. Yep. Okay. And so, so when you were an undergrad, what did you think you would be doing? Like, what, what was your vision for your career at the time? Well, like many misguided uh, males, I thought I was going to the NBA, and uh, that didn't happen. Uh, I also really thought and probably could have become an engineer. I uh, love math and science. I, in, in some class in high school, some counselor came in and gave us some kind of inventory and put a picture up of an engineer sitting behind a desk. And I think the number, I think the number at that time in 93 was like $30,000 or something. I mean, it sounds low, but at that time it sounded, it was a lot of money. And I was like, whoo, 30, I'm, I can do that. I like math yeah. and science. So I went to Randolph Macon to be an engineer and Randolph Macon is a liberal arts school. They, they don't have an engineering program. So I was supposed to be a physics major do three years, and then I think the program was with the University of Richmond and do two years there. Well, long story short, um, even though I didn't do that bad in physics, um, I had a rough first year, I was playing basketball, and what actually revealed itself was, number one, I was a very slow reader, and I was a poor writer. So even though I could do the math and science, it took me so long to get some of these other classes done. I was, I was struggling to, to maintain. So I kind of navigated, I uh, went from physics to math to computer science, all the way to psychology in the second semester of sophomore year. And that's when I took my first psych course. And at the time my roommate was a junior who was a psych major. Every, every since I took that class, loved it, haven't looked back since. And so, um, I mean, I talk a lot about career exploration with my clients uh, for a number of reasons, uh, because it's, it's not that it, you can't change your major. What, what I always say is you can't go to college without some direction on where you want to go. Mm. You can change, because I, I mean, I, I'll be a hypocrite to say you can't change, because yeah. uh, I changed, and I still graduated in four years. Uh, but the thought that you wouldn't do any exploration or any research before you went to college is, is just doesn't make sense to me, especially with all the technology we have. Yeah. And the other part of it is that you can't evaluate how valuable each college is if you don't know what it has to offer. Certain kids say they want to go to colleges. They don't even know if they had a major. Mm. And so how do you compare colleges you just look at the price, the price tag. And again, that becomes another problem because students are looking at college costs versus college value. Mm. And I think the two of you all know that value is what you get, not what you pay. Mm. And so a part of what I have to do when I see them in ninth, 10th, 11th grade, and they've already fallen in love with the University of Georgia or James Madison or Ohio State or Vanderbilt, it's like, do they have your major? Have you <laughs> looked at the school? That, you know, have you compared them to other folks? Have yeah. you seen that you can get the same degree at you know, another school for half the price? 
Um, and so to that point, you know, the college exploration piece is really important to what I try to do for the students, not only so they can get in, but so they can find the right college for them, so they don't overpay, mm. and so they get really the most value out, out of college. Wow, excellent. So, so if you could go back in time to when you were on campus with, with the knowledge you have now and give advice to yourself, what advice would you give to yourself? Well, probably a couple of things, but the, tonight I will share these three things. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, you know, is use your resources. I mean, the, the toughest thing I have now as a, as a professional on a college campus, I'm still trying to get students to use the resources on our co campuses, right? Mm -hmm. Like the career office and things like that. And so I, I was a student that didn't use the resources that were avail available to me. Uh, I already mentioned that I was a, a poor writer and we had a writing center. I never went there, you know? Uh, and, and it was weird because I kind of thought that that was kind of like cheating, that if you went to get, what I didn't realize is when other people were getting better grades, they would say, hey, we went to the writing center. I was like, wow. you know, it's not cheating. So anyway, I, yeah. use, the overall thing would be use your resources. So number one, like the writing center, uh, I never, never considered studying abroad. I wish I had studied abroad. But the, really the most important thing I think was I should have spent more time with my faculty because we, I was at a small school. It was less than 1,200 students. And I kind of knew all the faculty, but I didn't necessarily know what the faculty could necessarily do for me until I was a senior. Because uh, it was one of my psychology uh, professors who actually guided me to becoming a school psychologist. I had never heard of school psychology. Wow. And he was the one who opened me up to what the field was because he knew me well, he knew what my strengths were. And then he actually connected me with some of his colleagues at James Madison and was able to give me a scholarship there. And that wow. actually process repeated itself at James Madison where one of their professors got me a scholarship at Lehigh to get my PhD. Wow. Um, but if I had really known, I would have actually genuinely spent more time or looked to develop more relationships with faculty. But again, we got to teach students who are going to college what types of relationships are appropriate and what kind of value it is. It's not just to get a letter of recommendation. It's not just to get hooked up. You know, how you give value to faculty members what kind of behaviors in class should you be exhibiting so that a faculty would even recognize you or look to you as a potential mentee? Those are the things that I would tell, you know, my 19-year-old self as a sophomore struggling to, uh, to survive in undergrad. Wow. Man, you're saying, man, you're saying all this stuff make me want to go back to school right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to be talking to all the faculty and everything, but who's the old guy? That, look, who's man. the old guy? Hey, right. well, you know where's, where's my faculty at? Dr. Jackson, <laughs> I need to talk to the faculty and I need to have a sit down with the faculty. And, and you know, that's, that's going to change too with the virtual environment. Mm. You know, you know, it was this whole thing about, you know, big school, small school and the, you know, intimate teaching relationship being in a class of 30 or 40 versus being in a big lecture hall of 100 or 200 where they don't know your name. And, wow. you know, you feeling like, you know, you're gonna learn better than one or another or how you, you know, get help or how you, 
just develop relationships with, with, with your faculty member. But now, if things are going to be a hybrid or going to be virtual, now we got to figure that all out. Mm. Um, so, uh, and I, I, I'll just give you an example. I sat with my two daughters who are going to the ninth and seventh grade two days ago, and they had an online orientation. Well, for my rising ninth grader, a part of the orientation at the very beginning, one of her teachers was look, the teacher was actually looking at the names and I could tell that he was trying to find names that he wasn't sure how to pronounce. And he was just making an effort to basically say, I don't want to mess anybody's name up. Is this how you say, how I say your name? And as a student, she's there, she's ready. But when he says, you know, hi, Amira, am I saying your name right? She's just sitting there. Hmm. And I'm like, say something. Say something. And she's like, she, she's like, I'm on mute. And then she, she hits the little raise my hand button or she types in yes. And I'm like, sweetie, I understand that, you know, you may be used to doing this, but even in this virtual environment, mm. you've got to actively engage. And if your teacher actually speaks directly to you, the expectation is you speak back to him or her. not that you type in the chat. Yes. So again, they have to be taught that uh, now. Hopefully it's not just my kid, but uh, that was the experience I had. <laughs> Dr. That's, that's, Dr. That's Jackson, it, it's not your, just your child at all. I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, I have a 10 year old and we, we cover the same things with her. And I mean, she, and the funny thing, I mean, she gets straight A's. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, she's talking, yet this is the way you respond. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but, and I think that's more critical to develop in a virtual environment for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 So, all right. This next question, I'm, I'm asking for a friend, right? Okay. <laughs> a friend of mine wants to know this. Uh, right. so, so, what are some other steps that parents can take that have young children, let's say hypothetically 10 and 7, yeah. um, <laughs> to, to position them to receive scholarships down the road? You covered a lot. What are some what are some steps that the parents can take? Well, I mean, so you know, we got those. We want to focus again on the two steps of the process. So you know, the one part of being a, being qualified, yep. and then the second part of standing out. Um, once you get the qualified part kind of checked off, the student is getting the grades and and all those other things. Then it really I like to, to give the students a push towards their passion. Because we push hard in the arts and athletics and these other places, but sometimes the kid's passion comes out in other areas, which could be the opportunity for them to showcase that response to opportunity, having the impact. And so again, if we know what we want to build, then we can start building those skills and qualities in whatever they do. Because like you said, we already planted to see, we got you on the road to making sure that you are good in the classroom, you're learning, you're getting good grades, you're doing everything else. But now it's about standing out. And as they get older, and again, mine are not much older than yours, it becomes that art of how do you push, support, nurture, plant the seed, because at some point, they're going to start listening to you in a different way. And your idea of what would really be great is going to be different than what they think is really great. 
And so I always seen, I've seen parents have the most success moving within whatever passion that student has, even if it's, you think it's bizarre. I mean, it's just out there. And you're like, hey, you want to blow up rocket ships. Okay, let's, let's get something for $5 at the dollar store or somewhere. And let's see what we can do. You know, um, and so those are the things that I want to do. I always want to just build their qualities and support them because they're on a trajectory to be qualified. But the other thing I would say is help to early point out where these qualities are. So like Ted is saying, you know, you may have the example of maybe you're sitting around a dinner table, you're driving in the car and you're talking about um, a new employee or an opportunity, a speaking engagement you heard somebody that said something and you're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so did such and such. You know, we, we always talk about this. And here's a great example of it. Um, and then the last thing I would say is use the people that they know. Now, I was surprised. You all probably familiar with Gary Vee, right? Yeah. yeah. I was in my office and listening to a Gary Vee segment and my daughter walked in and was like, oh, you listen to Gary Vee. I'm like, what? What you know about Gary Vee? And so sometimes you find out that they, they are in their feed or somewhere somebody's told them about it. Gary V Gary V or Eric, um, what's the other some of the motivational speakers that Eric Thomas. Eric Thomas. Those folks are these kids are, are exposed to some stuff. And mm. the my message comes through Eric much better than it comes through me. Wow. Um and so I, I use them all the time. I shoot shoot her stuff all the time. Her stuff that I want her to learn, uh, just because it's starting to. It's sad, but <laughs> daddy's influence is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's petering out. <laughs> put it that way. But you know, it's it's interesting you say that because I do think sometimes if they hear something from you, the parent, it's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. But they hear the same thing from somebody outside it's like it's like the, it's like the first time they've ever heard it <laughs> well now i think the three of us probably know uh how many do, do both of y'all have like a, one or two uncles or multiple uncles oh yeah right we know that a parent can tell us something and our uncle especially our favorite uncle <laughs> tell us the exact same thing and we own it yeah. And so, like you say, you know, that person that's outside, it's, you know, and as we live, you know, three of us are learners and, and you hear it unfortunately becomes more important who the messenger is than mm. the message, mm. you know? And sometimes I have to go out and plant the message with the messenger <laughs> so that it gets back to the people I need to hear it. And even for me, sometimes when I go out to the schools, how I dress, uh, how I interact. Sometimes I'm the wrong messenger and it just, it is what it is. And I have to say, if I'm not the messenger, let me see if I can find the right messenger for you. Uh, and that's actually why the school counselors really like to have me in mm. because they've tried to give the same message and it's fallen on deaf ears. And now Dr. Jackson from Vanderbilt and Davidson comes in, boom. Oh, everybody's sitting up. Mm. And they're sitting on the side like, they've been telling them this for three years. Wow. <laughs> and, and 
you know, if you got a good relationship with them and, and I can tie it back to what they're doing and what they're asking them to do, then it's a good, re it works well. But sometimes you're on both sides of that. You may be the right messenger one day, you might be the wrong messenger the next day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so what, what's next on the horizon for you? I mean, where, where do you see things going? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, I want to continue to grow the business, but I've kind of shifted from one-to-one -one coaching to now I'm doing a lot more short kind of live consultation for parents who just have questions that they need answered, uh, especially now that, you know, the classroom experience is different, COVID's hitting, parents just want answers. And so I've set up a, a kind of different kind of revenue stream with just live consultations where we can get on for 20 minutes and boom, I can answer their questions as opposed to working for three months. So I'm doing more of that. And then the other piece is I have what I call kind of monthly activity plans for juniors and seniors. And so for those parents who have the kids on the right track and they just want some structure of what they should do every month, I give them what's basically a newsletter for a month and then they can follow that every month. And I can make it much more affordable so that I don't have to spend an hour, hour and a half with every kid, you know, once a week. And so those are the two things I'm doing with the business. But the next thing kind of comes back to me being a school psychologist is, you know, we were trained to evaluate and build kind of effective learning environments. And now that the school environment has changed so much, I really see an opportunity to respond to uh, and kind of give voice, not necessarily changing the school system, but just be an active voice for parents as they walk their kids through this next year so that when they encounter challenges, like we were talking about the students are not engaging online or whatever it may be, that either myself or I'm bringing in other professionals to help them be successful for their kids. And that's probably just going to be a free thing on my podcast. But I mean, that's kind of, I'm a builder and that's just kind of what I've always done. And this is just a perfect opportunity for me to do that. So I'm pretty excited for this school year to be able to introduce that into my podcast. So Dr. Jackson, this, this past school semester, everyone just kind of had this whole virtual thing dropped on them, right? right. Everybody goes home, everybody go home and we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, now people have had some time to start thinking about it and plan it for the upcoming semester, whether it's going to be all virtual or some type of a hybrid approach. Like, what do you expect to see different in this? Cause you know, I talked to some people and they're like, Oh yeah, my kid, I mean, college student, I had a friend that's a college student. She's like, yeah, you know, my kid, he, he, he just learns better with the teacher. I'm like, well, okay. But, you know, that's not going to be the case. Like, this, this is what it is. Like, your kids, we're going to have to learn in this, in this, this environment. And I think this is going to be something that, I think it's always going to be some virtual version of school moving forward. Like, I just don't think you, you come up with techniques and all of that to do this. And then, okay, it's going to go back to how it was. I think both from a school standpoint, as well as in the workforce, this virtual piece is going to be a part of it. Right. Well, to your point, the, the virtual learning environment is not going anywhere. Uh, it's going to be a part of everybody's learning experience, probably from kindergarten 
through their work life. Mm-hmm. Every professional on my college campus who's either a faculty member or staff every year has some professional development that is delivered online. And so I think the core of what your, your question is, or what you're pointing out is that students now have to be taught how to be virtual learners. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is that teachers have to learn how to be effective instructors in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. Now in the past, what we've had is that when students weren't successful, we tended to point at the student and we did not point at the teacher's effectiveness, mm-hmm. especially in the eighties and that pendulum kind of moved and it was a big focus on how well the teachers were doing and what we started to do was teach to the test. And, you know, we've had all of that, but I think what you hit on is that it's not going away. And what we had the opportunity to do is to help those students who are ready to learn to say, Hey, let's get ahead of this and let me show you what it means to be an effective virtual learner and understand that it's different. You may, even all the things that you love, like the social inter- interaction with your, with your uh, classmates, maybe the milestones like prom and the football game, all that stuff may be a little different or a lot different for the short term. But at the end of the day, sitting in a classroom with 30 students and one teacher is not the only way you're going to learn. And if you want to be an effective learner, you got to figure that out, not only for now in high school, but for what you're going to get in college. And to me, it's, it's just a reality, whether, and you know, whether you start online or you start face-to-face and then people get sick and you got to go online. I mean, that's, that becomes a political issue and, you know, folks are dealing with, you know, the, the financials of that and, you know, state um, regulations, there are all kinds of things that go into, you know, what a principal can do and what a school superintendent can do. And, you know, as a parent, you, I know for us, we're thinking, you know, how do we keep our kids safe and how do we maximize their learning in the safest environment possible? But those are really the only two things that cross our mind. Mm. And from there, then how do we help everyone else? Um, so, I, and it's not any different K-12 versus college. Now, the only other thing I would add is that True enough, I would agree with that parent that says, for some kids, they're going to learn better in face-to-face. I I would agree with that. Um, That's the reason why I went to Randolph-Macon, because I knew that I was going to learn better in a small classroom. I knew if I was in a classroom of 200, it wasn't going to do right for me. I wasn't going to get the most out of it. So I understand those differences. And, you know, let's say if your, your son or daughter has attention issues or maybe they have some some learning issues all of those things are going to have to be factored into the environment that's best for your kid but the virtual learning environment is not going away i don't see any way that it's going to go away anytime soon mm. yeah i think it's it's, it's not really going to be a, it, it's the next normal is the kind of the way i see it right 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 but that that just opens up to, again, and you all see just even how I think, you know, it's, it's core to what I do and it's how I think. To me, that just opens up a new opportunity. For example, you know, some of us are on social media and 
before the pandemic hit, you would hear, you would see memes or see posts and folks would be like, the school should be teaching kids how to do taxes and school should be teaching kids this. Now, these same people have their kids home for a half of the spring and all the summer. Ain't nobody taught their kids how to do taxes and all this <laughs> other stuff. But now we've got this platform that we could be doing all this, where we could have mm -hmm. been doing it. But to me, it's just another opportunity. And maybe for folks who didn't have the infrastructure or the capital to turn their passion for a certain type of uh, learning or expertise into a business, now they can do that. Mm. Uh, I, I actually could see a very wise businessman going out and finding subject matter experts to bring under his or her umbrella an educational platform to deliver content. Mm. There's no reason why. So Rudy, so Rudy, we're going to talk a little later, man. <laughs> I'm, I know a friend that might want to talk to you about some of that. Uh, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, some of those collaborations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's tough. I mean, I just had a podcast a few days ago with parents about supporting the seniors. And, mm. you know, if, if you are a high school senior, you've been a freshman, sophomore, junior, you sat around and been at the bottom and, you know, watched all these proms and, Mm. Now you're looking forward to your senior year. And you're like, we ain't doing what this year? You're like, mm. wow. I'm feeling some kind of way about that. Wow. It's, you know, it, it's got to be different. And Or if, I don't know, some of you may have had friends who this past weekend have dropped their kids off at co back at college, mm. like as a freshman. Mm. So you imagine your freshman daughter or son having to take them to school under these conditions. And the school saying, hey, trust me, send a full check. We need all the money. Right. We're going to take care of everything with the dorms. We're going to keep everybody socially distanced. And we got your son or daughter. We got you. Mm. All right. Mm. So it, it, it's it's difficult, but I, I it's going to be challenging. But I think for the folks who are who, who want to take advantage of this, I think it's a huge opportunity uh, in front of us. Mm. Let's talk about your podcast briefly. Sure. So, what? Who's your target audience? What do you cover? What, what will people get out of your podcast? So the the day one ready podcast is, is targeted to parents. Um, the students don't have to be interested in a top twenty, a top fifty college. It could be any college, and we talk about a number of the issues, whether it's issues about scholarships, about the admission process. Uh, I talk a little bit about the strategy because, you know, most of this, it's not that I can't explain it to parents. I just need parents who want to learn what it is. And so if you understand that you're not competing to be more qualified and you want to figure out how to stand out, that's all we talk about. We talk about how to stand out. And then like, for example, there may be an issue like returning to school in a virtual environment or something like that where we sprinkle that in. But for example, we've had topics like um, how many AP classes is too many? Now, again, most parents are like, if you can handle it, take as many as possible. Uh, we talk about, you know, how do you actually save money or how do you reduce your costs of attending college? You know, how, how do you not come out of college with $100,000 of debt? What are the five things you need to do? You know, and 
we give them things that they, they just don't even consider. You know, I, every time I do a workshop and I, I typically speak to about a thousand students a year because I, I do these workshops for the school counselors for free just to introduce myself, the business and, and get it from the parents. You can give parents an hour to come up with a list of things to reduce the cost and they will never say graduate in three years. The easiest way to reduce costs is not to spend four years in college. Mm. That's, the, that's the easiest way. The mm. second way is stay home, reduce room and board. That's typically half of what you're going to spend. Yeah. So there are lots of things to reduce the costs. Um, but, you know, we talk about building the students up. As much as the parents have already invested so much into their kids, and they've asked them every year, what do you want to be? And they, parents have done everything. The urgency to do some of this college planning really doesn't get to the point where they're really doing it until junior year for 95% of the parents to really say, hey, you know, have you done X, Y, and Z? And, and the, the kid can say, yeah, you know, I've done a little bit. Uh, let me see it. Uh, well, uh, it's on my computer, it's on my phone. The, the kids have been learn how to give the parents just enough to leave them alone, you know? Uh, but by the second semester, January of junior year, then the parents are like, the urgency is there. But now we've lost two and a half years, you know? So it's, uh, it's a way to kind of reintroduce all these issues and tell people what they can do early versus waiting until junior year or senior year. It's going to be some very interesting conversations in the Twigs household. I know some little kids tonight, they, he, somebody's going to sit them down around the table. That's good. They, they're going to be coming be up with some challenges and some, some solutions and all. Eric, I know you got a game plan for them. My, my wheels are spinning. <laughs> hey, Eric, here's one I, I give to some of the students all the time. If, if you all have ever been either lived in an area where you had to pass pass a high school in the morning when they're coming, the buses are coming in, mm -hmm. it's always like just mad confusion. Right. If a, let's say a freshman or sophomore decided that he or she was going to work with the assistant principals and like a local um, engineer to redevelop the traffic patterns at the high school, how do you think his or her essay would be when they're trying to get into college? It's crazy. It'd be off the chain. It's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, it, they encounter problems every day. And now with COVID, they got probably another two or 300 they're going to encounter. Yeah. So um, just trying to keep their eyes open. And here's, here's the one thing that I didn't hit on, I wish I had, but trying to get them to resist the peer pressure that is around the grades, the test scores, and some of these colleges. Now, in some ways, you can't fault the college because they developed the level of prestige that's out there. And I mean, I've, I've even had high achieving students say, if I don't get into a certain school, I'll be embarrassed. Wow. And you think about what kind of pressure does that put you under? Tremendous. And now how do you look at your friends who don't get into that school? 
Um, there, there's a lot of status associated with that. And my example is with students. Now let's flip that to the parents. Mm. We live in certain neighborhoods, we drive certain cars, and we love to, to talk about our kids. And we're going to want to love to say, my kid got into such and such school. Yeah. But what if my kid wants to go to school B that ain't at a certain status level? Am I going to be okay? Mm. Is my kid really going to see me and feel me when they're saying they want to go to a school? And I'm like, oh, really? I thought you were going to do this thing and you're going to do this other thing. So mm. it's um, a lot of things play out as the kids get more mature as they become invested. And many times they become invested because of what their peers say, not because of what they see on a college campus, what the college really has. It's just that, oh, you know, the kids in my AP such and such class, they like this school. I, I probably should like this school. So mm -hmm. Eric, it's gonna be a journey, my brother. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. But no, I mean, you, what you offer definitely prepares parents for that journey and, and gives them that, that missing that, that missing piece of knowledge to really help their, their children succeed. So how can, how can our followers best connect with you? So I, I think the website is the, the best place. Um, you know, the name of the business is College Prep Professionals, but the, the URL is yourcollegepro.com. So any parent that wants to connect with me and again, really has some questions, they want their questions answered, that live chat is the easiest way to connect. They can go online, they can schedule 24 hours a day sign up and get some time to get their questions answered. If they just want to listen to kind of the conversations that are going on, on the website, on yourcollegepro.com, there's a podcast. So they can click on the podcast, look at the old podcast. If they just want to kind of connect through social media, they can connect with me on LinkedIn or also on Facebook. And just Dr. Jackson, at Dr. Jackson on LinkedIn or Facebook will, will connect, connect them to me. So. I'm not hard to find, um, and I'm not the most active person on social media, but I put enough out there where if folks need to contact me, we can connect. Excellent. All right, man, <laughs> you just packed this episode with information, Dr. Jackson. We, I appreciate it. I need, I need to reevaluate. Some some, uh, some parental strategies, <laughs> Doctor Jackson. I'm gonna tell you. Usually about hmm, about seven fifty ish. Eric, you can just start trying to wrap up our guest. Today right. it's it's about ten after eight. You just kind of let that thing just ride a little bit. And I just I think it's I think the kind of information you was giving was very uh, very impactful for him, for the Twigs household. I would think. Well, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think some and some other households that are watching us as well. I, mean, I just think this is vital information. So, so we're about to go around the horn, and this is the part of the show. This is Ted's favorite part of the show, by the way, everybody. This is the Where, worst. But this is Ted, the worst part for Ted because Ted is all, always has to go after the guests. So you put me behind Dr. Jackson, who be just <laughs> dropping just not nuggets, but boulders, the whole show. So now I'm going to have to follow him. Ted, I'm going to do you one better. All right. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to give my comment, and it's going to be connected to procrastination so uh. that Eric can follow me, and then you can go last. Ah. Woo. Okay. That's, 
See, that's how the doctor do it. He changed the, he changed the game. He saw an opportunity, Eric, and he changed. No one has ever. That this is a first. Has ever <laughs> this is changed a thirty-minute hour podcast. Are you, are you okay with that? I'm good. Let, let's do it. You out here now? You, you know, know I had to do my research on you, and you know, I was talking about urgency, and and what what I would just say to parents is that whether you got a ten-year-old, whether you got a middle schooler, whether you got a high schooler, you want the same thing I want for my kids is we want them to have a better life and we want to make sure that we're doing the right things and we're not making mistakes we're not missing anything and the only thing that I think we miss is keeping the urgency up because it looks so far away mm. I mean senior year even for my daughter she's we just went to the school for her to pick up some books today and I took her around and I introduced her to the principal and it, guidance counselor and a career development officer. And I'm sitting there like, man, four years. And it's going to be here like that. And all I would say is that parents try to keep a level of urgency and priority to the same degree that you have for other things that are important, like Mm -hmm. that GPA. If your student is an athlete, like practice and exercise and effort, integrate these other principles that'll help them stand out to the same degree. And you don't have to worry about building it later. They already know how to recognize and respond to opportunity. They already know how to have an impact. They'll start coming back to you telling you that stuff. And that way they won't be procrastinators and you won't have to be getting in the car like, did you get that stuff done? And then everybody's energy goes down. So I know you know, Eric, because you are the procrastination <laughs> guru. You know this better than anybody. How did he know that? How did he but, know that? Hey, I do my, hey, if I don't do my research, then I don't deserve my title. So I tell you, man. Research. On it. But with that, I'll, I'll throw this to uh, to the guru, Eric. Oh, man. You know what I just said? Ted, if, if only there was a book on this topic that could help <laughs> That's what's oh. missing. If, if we need a book. A book. Maybe you should write a book on that topic, Eric. Yeah, I, I, have to, I have to get around to writing a book about procrastination one day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dr. Jackson, we have to bring Dr. Jackson back. I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back. He's all right with me. Now, um, and, and I, I, we'll go out of order, and we'll let Ted go last this time. Is, is that cool, Ted? I'm good. Okay, you good? All right. So... When we talk about going around the horn and the final thoughts, Dr. Jackson, you talked about this whole thing of resisting peer pressure. I think I think that's a critical thing, and I think what happens is the, the kids get conditioned to want to fit in. Yep. Right. And I think that just plays out. So even as they're when they when they're going to try to apply for a college, they're in this mindset: Oh, I have to fit in. I have to be like everybody else. Where the people that are getting selected are standing out. You know, so so I think that, that that's the difference, and and you even see it in business. It, you know, Ted, we, we see it all the time. You know, you you try to be like every other company, but the the companies that win are the ones that are different, yep. the ones that stand out, yep. the ones that have that that unique angle, that unique perspective, and, and so I think that's as parents, if we're working with our kids, trying to get them ready for college, we need to let them know it's it's 
it's great to be different, actually. Mm -hmm. When you get old, different is what gets you paid. That's for sure. Not being that being like everybody else. So that, that that's that's what I took away from uh, your talk. I mean, you, and you had all kind. Of, you you came out the gate <laughs> with, with just with content. <laughs> you said we're gonna jump right into it, so you yeah, know. <laughs> you jumped into it both feet. Absolutely, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, all right, Ted. Well, I'm gonna tell you the worst thing about going last is you end up taking my stuff. <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say, and I mean, uh, you know, just. This whole thing around standing out versus just checking the box. Yeah. Right. Just, you know, getting good grades, you know, you know, being in the organizations and the community service and all of that. And that gets you in this, this, this pool of just, yeah, some, some high achievers. Right. But then what is going to get you to really stand out? And then how do you just develop that type of mindset at a young age? Because I deal with, adults now that just they you know they i say you know don't don't wait for it to happen make it happen right, right? right like like make it happen when you talk about a seventh grader that looks at a situation and says man look at this bathroom situation this sucks man let me come up with something to address that mm -hmm. at a young age and, and being able to have that innate capability to, to do that is, is major but i think that if more parents start looking at how to to put that into the kids, like you said, with that same emphasis of just, you know, checking the boxes, getting a good grade, the GPA and all that kind of stuff, and just really start thinking about how they can really be, like you said, impactful, right? That's yeah. really key to, to all of this is just being able to be impactful because, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I couldn't tell you the GPA of any of my employees, right? Like, but I do know the performers. I do know the ones that are impactful. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you, some of them, I could tell you what school they went to and some I couldn't tell you. And it really doesn't matter at the end of the day is how you do the job. Can you make a, you know, make a difference? Are you impactful? You know, and I think that everything that you said today, it just, it just resonated, just not just for, you know, students, but just, just all of us, you know, how do we be impactful in our communities? How do we be impactful on the job? How do we be impactful in the family? I mean, just, yeah, just some, some, not just nuggets you dropped, uh, you dropped some, some boulders today. We, we appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, Absolutely. Eric, how did I do as the cleanup hitter, man? So usually you have, you know, usually you have me as the lead off, so I had to be the cleanup. No, you, you're good at the cleanup spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like the other spot better though. <laughs> <laughs> I can get my shot in. So, 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 Rudy, man, you know we're from the same hometown. I can tell you that, Eric. I just, you know, because I didn't want you to think I was gonna be bragging and boasting on another one of my my hometown people. But that's 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 hometown. He's a basketball superstar. Okay. Yeah, so competitive. So I'm sure he's taking that that whole that competitive gene and taking it right into his uh to his business. And I just expect nothing but but great things because you know that's what we do out of Arlington County, Eric. You didn't know. Oh, wow. That's, That's okay. All right. Thanks for letting me know. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to wait to the end and let you know. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 So, so this has been an excellent episode of the 30 Minute Hour Podcast. So Dr. Rudy Jackson, thank you for being our guest. Tell everybody one more time how they can connect with you. Yes, please. Uh, come see me on my website, 
the College Prep Professional. Our URL is yourcollegepro.com. Excellent. Excellent. And once again, this is not your everyday podcast. You can visit us on the 30minutehour.net. Catch all our YouTube videos and previously downloaded episodes. Until next time, have a great one. All right. Are we all? Man, man, that Dr. Jackson, a bad dude, Eric. Man, man, we got to get him into what now? Movement. He got to be on a motivational Monday. We got to go after some contracts together with the Department of Education and throughout, man. Are we about to, yeah, man. Y'all, y'all let me know. I, I got, I got the office hooked up. We can do oh, what man. Need to do. The internet is strong, so man, we got a plan. I'm, I'm happy to, to work together with y'all. Yeah, man, that'd be good, man. Eric, I get, get them together with Dr. Sharon too, man, because I'm sure there's some, as we start looking at some of these educational opportunities, man. I mean, like right now with all the stuff that's going on, I mean, man, it, opportunities it's gonna be crazy. It, it's wide open, guys. It really is. It's wide open. And Georgia is a good place. We've got lots of relationships down here. Uh, also, clearly, Northern Virginia, been in Charlotte. It's not many places where somebody in the network doesn't have. And the other thing is the JMU Connect. Um, I mean, I think we got three people who are superintendents mm. in either in the state of Virginia or east of well, I think it's one person in Minnesota. But anyway, we got folks who are at the top of the decision-making uh, hmm. tree. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's just a matter of what we want to do. Well, we're going to, Eric, we're gonna, we need to set up something with, uh, with Dr. Sharon and Dr. Jackson together. I agree. And, okay. uh, and it's interesting, even the other guy that we got working with us on the Wednesday show, Kedar, He's doing, he does something with educational consultants that he's putting out to help, you know, help in the homes and some other things. So I just think there's a lot of possibilities in this whole education space. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, I gave the example out of, you know, folks who are subject matter experts, but just like the, the, the cat from Canada was talking about, you know, the different way, we, the way we are perceiving expertise now, mm -hmm. um, it, it's not going to be that long before we start looking at people who, who don't have credentials as experts, like somebody who, you know, my daughter can probably teach kind of middle school math than I can mm. because she's closer to it. Mm. She knows what was hard about it. I've forgotten what was hard about it. Yeah. You know? And so, and again, I was talking about that infrastructure of, of bringing the right people together to, put together multiple pieces of, of content that are curated, whereas you're just not going to a general YouTube channel or, or, or wherever, that especially for a, a target audience that would trust us, mm. like African-American parents, nobody's, nobody's filled that gap. Mm. Nobody's filled that gap. So mm. uh, I, I would love to get together with like-minded folks to, to see yeah. what we can do, because uh, it's going to be easier to do it together than to try to do it by myself. Well, I'm going to tell you, you'll be hearing from us soon because we're bouncing some ideas around now of just, you know, going after some federal government work together because we've created, taken the What Now movement and created 
kind of uh, WNM Ventures, which is going to be a, a company that's going to be going after government, state, and local contracts, and all kind of areas, including educational services. We were just talking about that. And so with some of the inroads that you have and just everything that you, you know, let's find a way to make it, make it work. Okay. Yeah, Sounds good. Y'all, I know we've been on Facebook. I know y'all got my email, so y'all, y'all know how to catch me. I tell you, you also, I think you got myself. So you know, yeah. Call me, and and we'll, we'll hook it up. We on it. All right, fellas. Appreciate Thank it. I really do, guys. Appreciate okay. you, man. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Talk to y'all soon. All right. Take All right. Bye. All right. Hey, Eric, you uh, you got a minute? Yeah. Man, that was great. I know. You <laughs> like? I know. It's a totally different way of how you're going to deal with your kids, man. Like, how are you going to make them think? Like, how they, like, okay, here's something. Okay, how do you deal with that? Like, that is, and I'm telling you, you and I, you, I know you deal with that with adults. Oh, yeah. They just yeah. don't think. They don't, nobody wants, they're just like, just like now. Oh, man. It's, it, what? I can't go out anymore? What? I got to work from home? What? I'm stuck. And then I always like thinking, okay, you know what? It's kind, of, it's kind of goes back to the what now mindset, right? Yeah. Here's this, here's this situation. Like, how do you take a, how do you get that mindset into a, into a child? But I think it's like, like a lot of the guys I coach, they want me to tell them all the answers, mm-hmm. basic stuff, and I, and I won't do it. I'm just like, so, so what you gonna do about it? So education, education, the grades alone. Does not give you that. Doesn't mean you pass a test, right? That's not mean you can think. Doesn't mean you got common sense. This means you can pass a test. So, man, I, I really think leveraging uh, Rudy with what we're doing as far as the educational component we're going after, yep. as well as what he said. I don't know if you caught that when you talked about he's got three connects that are superintendents from JMU over. That means we could do some consulting in some of the state and local spaces. Yeah, he, he's definitely a subject matter expert that, I mean, he knows the lingo can get out. That, that could be big. That could be big. He needs to be on the list. And I think right now, I think the things that Dr. Sharon, I think Kedar and, and Rudy, to get together, I mean, there's just things that we can do because it, that, there's a wide open opportunity right now with this whole education thing. Yeah, it's wide open. Like these get like they're not, you know. And I asked the question. I know I probably put too much into the question because I know he probably he probably got lost. I usually try not to ask long questions, but it was really what's going to be different in the fall is really what I want to know. What's going to be different? Like they've had time to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you think about it, he made a good point. Man, virtual man, virtual learning on the college campus has been going on for years. Yep. So you're, tell, you're telling me that that they can't get that down to, you know, high school and elementary school when they've had years of experience in that. Mm-hmm. Like like why wouldn't you have people from the University of Phoenix or whatever? be out doing consulting with the high schools and junior highs and elementary on how you you do virtual learning. Yep. You know? So. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, def definitely. We need to. Um, so, so what? When are you thinking we can? We should be talking to him. I mean, I think this. I mean, the sooner we uh, do, we want to kind of continue down the road where we're on, and then get him in the mix. Or, I mean, I think that one. So one of the things we're doing is we're getting the NAIC codes together. Right. Right. And we already know educational services is one. I think what we need to do quickly is get. Okay, Dr. Sharon, we know this is one is going to be one of your hot areas. Mm -hmm. Do you, Rudy, you know, you know, Kedar, or even other people that she knows, if it's two or three just in the room to determine what does that look like? Like, what does it look like to, for some of the federal government opportunities? What does that look like for some state and local opportunities? What does that look like in going to some of the private schools? Like, there's, there's millions right there on just the education piece now. Mm -hmm. million just on the education line item itself Eric because these people don't know what they're still going to be figuring it out you know even like 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 right now they're going you know some of the school systems they're still just deciding what they're going to do <laughs> I think New York just said oh yeah everybody's going to school that's only like I said that's that's not going to last long mm -hmm. right you know because you know, once you start getting a couple episodes and you have to keep quarantining classes, and I was looking at something today that Bill Gates was talking about on TV saying, and you know, he did a speech on like, what if a pandemic hit, I don't know if you saw that, a TED talk back in like 2016. Mm. Yeah, he said like, what would happen if a pandemic hit like the world in 2016? So he was, they had him on today, I don't know, CNN, and he was talking about, he thinks it's going to be like the end of 2021. With hundreds of thousands of lives lost, everything it's going to take to get this got to be a world, kind of a worldwide type of a strategy. I mean, you know, all of that. So it's like, okay, you're going to have, we have to take all that into consideration because everybody's thinking, remember how this thing started, Eric? People were like, oh yeah, we're going to go back to work May 15th. Then it was June something. Then it was, then I think, I don't even think it ever got to, I think it was like June 30th. Now they don't even say dates anymore. Because they cancel. Now everybody's thinking, oh yeah, you know, we're just, you know, it'll be next spring. I'm like, so you get a vaccine, then you got to get people to take it. Yeah, because you got to have a percentage of the people that take it. Well, well. It's crazy times. So you got to look at it from both sides. You got to look at it one side of the human side of it. That's unfortunate. And then you got to look at it from the business side, right? Like, oh man, yeah, I need to get stock in some of these, these pharmacy companies that are dealing with vaccines. Like, yeah, you know, PPE, I got to get connected. Like all that stuff you got to get connected. This whole education thing, like this is, this student thing is going to be there. Yeah. How do we, like companies are being built just on dealing with just that piece. Absolutely. And so, and we got, and we got a lot of great minds that are within the group, you know, and just, and, and, and see people like Rudy, folks like that, they, they're really good and they're good kind of in their company. Right. But it's kind of one person. Right. Where like us, we're looking at how to scale this thing. Exactly. You know, and that's why he said, hey, it'd be great to do this with other people. Because you got subject matter expertise. See, that's the thing I was saying to you is with what we're doing with, with, with the WM Ventures, 
we don't have to be the experts in this stuff. No. All we got to do is be the vehicle. <laughs> we just got to be the vehicle, Eric. If you're the vehicle, you can get 51% of just about anything that comes through the door of the vehicle. Yep. And the majority share of anything that comes through. And then every now and then if somebody else says, hey, I got this deal and they bring a deal and they want a greater percentage, okay, you can do that. But I mean, this thing can be a machine. Yeah, this thing has the potential. So we just need to get that SAM stuff ready, get everything ready, and then just start, you know, laying out the new the new webs the the website for the you know for W and M Ventures, kind of get that laid out, determine who those companies are. You know, if we say, hey, we're gonna we're just gonna start with these five NAACO instead of doing fifty right now. We're gonna say five. And of these five core ones, we're going to say, here's these three, you know, yeah, this professional development one, we know is a hot one, the education one, we know is a hot one, you know, management consulting services or whatever, IT or whatever, we want to do that. It's okay. We got these, these core ones. Mm-hmm. The other ones we can, you know, we can add any time, but these, if we can get these five and knock these five out the park. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So I know that's a lot. So you got to get ready for what it's going to be like to run a hundred million dollar company. I need your mind. Your mind has got because that's what this can be, Eric. Yeah. So th- that's the thing with the contract. So so which like your typical education related contract is how much? It depends. The one contract that I have right now. Is probably close to four hundred thousand a year, hmm. and that's a small one. Hmm. If I had Dr. Sharon and Rudy and those folks working with me a couple of years ago when I got in the Department of Education, we could be getting some of those ten million, twenty million dollar contracts. I never had the subject matter expert. I didn't. I, I had to bring people in. Like I never had somebody can go into a meeting with me, get a proposal together, and really tell the story. You know, because one, you know. One of the, our contract now, like I said, I told you is with the National Center for Education Statistics. I mean, we bring teachers in from all across the country, do these webinars and white papers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, like if I were to send Dr. Sharon our performance work statement, she'd look at that and be like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I do that all day. We can go after that kind of stuff all day as WNM Ventures, as Nucor with WNM Ventures partnered. I mean, either way we do it. Right. So. So yeah, so you'll be starting to think, how do we get this proposal machine going? Like we got these people in here that can write and do these things. I've just never had a team like this, man. That's what I'm telling you. That's why I'm excited about it. I'm just like, man, we can like blow it up. And then we use we use that connection with the uh, contract management group with Janelle. Mm-hmm. All these people in the government that are decision makers. And if we, we help them get that thing going and they see us in it, oh man, this this WM Ventures. Who are these guys? Yeah, then we also, you know, some of the people that are doing these live videos, and now all of a sudden we're getting them paying opportunities. I mean, that's just gonna stick them to the movement even more. Cause now, like, okay, yeah, I was just helping t- I like Ted and Eric, but <laughs> 
I'm getting paid. Eric can help me get paid. Oh, they all right. <laughs> they all right. Dude, I'm I'm telling you, the thing that's so funny what well, you just know God has just been driving this thing is I keep going back and I tell people, we've been saying for years, man, we gotta find some way to work together. Right. We just gotta find some way. Let's just get together and just talk about it. From a podcast to the what now movement to WM Ventures. We would have there's no way, Eric. We went when we went to to Starbucks, that we would think about this is what we'd be. No, oh yeah, no. man. Let's start a government contracting company that just provides services of all across the board and educational. So we would have never, never. You would, it would never happen. Nope. So now, the biggest thing is, is doing those things. Because for me, I'm in the process now of trying to get a new core turned around. That's why I was saying I couldn't lead something like. Right. I'm, it's better for me to be able to be a person that says, I know I know this game. I know what it takes to do it. I know a bunch of people. I just need somebody, like I need somebody that has the, the, the drive and the energy to drive this. Because this right here, a couple of quicker than new goal. Is that, is that, like there's no way I could have tried to lead it because I couldn't give it what it was going to take. So you got to be looking at this thing and you got to be thinking, you got to be thinking hundred million dollar company. Like that's a different mindset. Like you got to be thinking hundred million dollar company that you're going to be bidding on 10, 20, 30, $40 million contract. And that we got to constantly, we got to get ourselves on We got to get ourselves on, on like IG. We got to get us, like they constantly have to see W and ventures or whatnot, but they got to like we got to keep doing content. Yep. And we we got to be having like a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. Like how do we get to those points where we getting a hundred thousand? Because then, dude, the books and all that stuff that that sells itself. Then, man, yeah. you be on the show yeah. talking to Oprah. You be talking to Oprah. Yeah. When, once you have your following, when you put something out, they just gonna get it. That's it. And think about the people who again. We, we've gotten them gigs. They've gotten paid. You, you come out with a book, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. Let, let me tell everybody I know to get it. I think it's all relationship. That's why I'm saying, even like when I was talking to the young guy, Andre in North Carolina, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get these young guys in because these young guys got parents, and their parents are decision makers in places. And like, oh, man, you, man, you man, you're helping young kids, you're helping young people out, you partner with the HBCUs, you're doing all of that. Man, yeah. WM Ventures, man, we got we got to give them that. We got to give them that contract because we know that they're going to help. You know, they're going to make. They're going to be impactful, right? Like that's that, that was the biggest thing, man. You know, what are we doing to make a make a difference? Yeah, you know, I mean, like, like sometimes I coach people like on interviews as far as like how to do interviews. I say, look, you need to tell them, okay, here's where the here's where I work, here's where sales were, here's what I did to improve. And here's where we are. I, I coach people to do that. These are, these are like adults, but yeah, mm -hmm. so, so for somebody that's coming up to be thinking like that, I mean, you can be way ahead of the game. Don't tell me you're great. Show me. Yeah. Show me you're great. When you tell me a seventh grader went in and went to the state board or whatever and did that right there, is it, it, it just says, I can make a difference. I can change this. 
because that's the same mindset that says Uber or Elon Musk. Like those guys, their minds, they think without a box. Right. It's not outside the box. There's just no box. Yeah. I, yeah, I can be a kid and I can I can make a difference. I can change this. I can change it. That's that's gotta be what we are. There's no there's no box for Debian inventions. Don't box us in where there's no box. I'm I'm putting our new logo. I'm gonna put our new logo out on Instagram. Oh yeah. It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be hot. Yeah. I mean I, I got a, the black kind of offsets the red too. Yeah, it's sweet. Yeah, that's that's pretty hot. It is, it is, it is, it is sweet, man. I'm telling you, dude. This right here, man. I'm telling you. I was just yesterday I was just listening to the conversation and just the energy. I was like, man, this thing right here. Debian Ventures, let's get in Sam, let's get that stuff done, get that thing going, you know, get you, you know, and then just start, start working these government contact, man. You know, now I don't know, are you, is it possible for you with your job to like have in LinkedIn that you are, that you have Debian Ventures or that's going to cause a problem? That's, that's going to be that would cause a problem having it on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I mean, I could probably just, if I refer people to it, if we have the website and that can all be on that separate WNM Ventures website. I wish we, I wish we, I wish we had. See, I can reach out to people and all that. That's no, that's no issue for me. I'd be cool if we, if we had somebody not like, um, there could be like a person, like a point person that we could have as, you know, chief operation officer. You know, something that could have a senior title and have WNM Ventures and have the logo and just be able to be a face for it. Yeah. Until right. we get enough business in place, until you can leave what you're doing, because we got a couple hundred million dollars, millions of business, and then yeah, you can I mean, move. That, that's the end game. I, I let it do that full time. Oh uh, yeah, it, it could be sweet. It could be sweet, dude. Yeah, it could be sweet. So we just need to we just need to think about think about how to how to do that. I right? come across somebody that could be a, a point person, but until then, yeah. I mean, I guess you know, like right now, it's it's kind of like a part time gig, but nobody knows it. No, we're founders, and that's what we got going. And, Another good thing about it is it's not a competing thing with your job, so yeah. it doesn't really compete. It just probably, by now they probably uh, they probably see you doing a whole bunch of stuff anyway. As long as you're doing with your real work stuff, they're probably cool. Yeah. Huh. Oh man, that was a good. That was a good. A good session, man. Gee. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I've known Rudy for years, man, but I didn't really know. That was good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So I put the uh, I put the logo. The logo's on Instagram. It's on. Uh, if you go, if you look at the Facebook page, you'll see it there too. And I know, I know the people are gonna. That thing is so hot. I know that thing is so hot. Look at that, man. I see it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I see it. Yeah, it's tight. We need to get um. 
I'll I'll reach out to Gary. We need to get him to change like the thing on the website and even how it appears like on the the app like anchor and all that. So they're seeing the more updated logo. Yeah. Mm hmm But yeah, I think that's much better than what we had. Oh man, yeah, it's it definitely uh it's definitely hot, man. It's definitely. Ooh. Not your everyday pocket. That way that way that thing stands out, man. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. It looks like Wody's not gonna be able to he won't be on this week. Was he traveling? Mm -hmm. I'll be celebrating twenty years that my bride has put up with me on Wednesday. So in order to avoid the side eye and extend this thing at least until I'm beyond child support, I will miss this week. <laughs> <laughs> Gary called Paris Hilton. She owes you one. Have a great show. <laughs> uh, believe me, I understand. I understand. I'll send you. Um, I have this. I have like all these files for the logo. Yeah. And you can certainly download it on your own, and um, you know, use it in other places too. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, All right, I just sent that to you. Let's see what I got here. Oh, you already sent the logo? Yep. Your design files are ready. One, two. After 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 putting an email address and log in or something, uh, you shouldn't. You should log in, email address, password. I was asking what you were email and password. I'll just what I do then I'll just send you the uh the straight files. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be cool. All right, I just send that to you. Cause I told you on the um that speaking thing I had today, I um. I sent them the text thing where they could listen to an episode of the podcast and all that. And um, I've already, so, so far I've already had like 11 people opt in for that. Wow. They, they, they want to be guests? No, when they, they get, so they can text this number and then type in twigs and they'll instantly get like one of our episodes sent to them on their phone. Wow. When we did about the urgency of now. Yeah. So I said, yeah, so since you've been such a great uh, great listener, all you got to do is type this number in and get this bonus audio. Wow. So we have, so far, I've had 11 people. That wow. Are, that are, and somebody hit me up on the chat. was like, she, she, she said she subscribed to the podcast. So <laughs> we, we can get them a bunch of ways. That's it, man. I mean, I'm going to tell you, man. We're we're as big as we make ourselves. Mm -hmm. You got a podcast, it's successful, it's out there. We gotta start, we gotta really we have to really start promoting it. That's really what it takes. Really, really promoting it. Because I think we got we got great content, we got great guests. You know. But the thing is, like, people don't really like giving testimonials. Like they, yeah. they it's hard to get people to do that. 
And we have people that just do it without us asking them to do it. That, I'm telling you, I mean, like people, everybody's busy. So even if they like your thing, you're not going to take the time and, and say something good. I mean, so the fact that people are just going on and just saying, hey, no, this is a great show. So th that's, that's a good sign. We just, like you said, I think we just need to continue to just push it. I mean, we, I mean, if we could find a way to start doing it so that it goes out on Insta podcasting on Instagram. Because see, that's the one thing about Facebook is that most of the people are people we know and we're connected to. Like on Instagram, it's only thousands of people we're not even connected to. Somebody might just click it. I'm like, wow, man. Just like these guys that are out here doing this motivational speaking and stuff out there. Like we we, we got to get ourselves out on out on Instagram. Instagram so, and YouTube. I think those are the two. Well, and get it to, and do and do and do live. So people are like, man, who are these guys? Because somebody's gonna eventually see us. I even think, and I even think the lockdown show. <laughs> I think, man, I think it's gotta. And when you watch it, I mean, when you watch, it's like, man, this is, it's so, it's so wild how we, how that just kind of came together. Ask Gary, sisters, like all the different personalities are so different. That I think anyone that watches it will be entertained by it. That's, that's the type of stuff that goes viral. That's it. Stuff that it makes you laugh. That's it. Yeah. Just crazy stuff, man. Like that Gary. <laughs> I mean, he is hilarious. He is, he is hilarious. And it's like he's just, I keep, like last week, he was like, he was just sitting still. I said, how you just said, well, this one right here is good for stuckness. Is it stuckness? <laughs> and he like he just dropped this crazy. You're like, wait, wait, hold up, stop. This stuckness. What is that? Yeah, this will keep get you stuck. And this one. Oh yeah, you know you you, you can get a uh, thing at Pornhub and nothing like what? Yeah, Pornhub. The, thing so, the thing so funny, Eric, is that when we tried to get him, we'll have him on a 30 minute hour early. He was nothing like this. Like that whole Ask Gary thing, he is amazing. He's like a, because on the show, he used to be like, we used to be like, oh, like what in the world? The part on this, the podcast, I mean, the, I mean, the third, the lockdown, oh man, everybody is funny, man. Like this a part, man, he was like, yeah, man, I just do this. <laughs> this is all I can do. I am watching that man. I mean, just that and people are laughing about that uh, that whole thing about the the uh, uh, having to wear the mask, and if not, you had to had to <laughs> the rectal thermometer. <laughs> that I had somebody dying on that last night. Shoot, you are you are you are always wear your mask with that thing. Oh man, you will wear that mask for sure. Mm. Oh man, so yeah. All right. Well, let me get out of this office. I, I guess we'll chat tomorrow, partner. We'll see you. Please.